you know, I, I wonder sometimes why we make the mistake of trying, trying to um, uh, get free ourselves when the Lord says that his anointing, you know, breaks every yoke. You know, his, his ability to, to lift things off our life so very quickly. I love, I love a, a testimony that explains how, um, how in our own lives the Lord, you know, came in and, and, uh, and set us free. Those testimonies that, uh, we hear of, um, uh, so often. How, um, you know, people have struggled with something for a long, long time and uh, been under the weight of it, been under the burden of it, been like a ball and chain around their, uh, around their uh, leg and just, you know, walking the Christian life with almost a limp, you know. And God says he wants you free. God says he wants, you know, you to know that burden-removing, yoke-destroying anointing that can come and break it off in a second, break it off in a minute. That's the God that we serve. And, you know, sometimes we need to raise up our expectation to receive that, you know, because he'll, he'll touch your heart, he'll move you, he'll give you a little nudge to let you know that that's you that he's speaking about and that he wants you free. Amen? Amen this morning. Hallelujah. Well, um, again, uh, it's exciting to be uh, coming around the word and we, we, just, we just believe right now in Jesus' name that his word would touch hearts and lives as well today. It's not just his spirit that can do that, but that his word goes out today and, uh, you know, has that, that desired impact on hearts. You know, we've been seeing how, uh, you know, the Lord's intention uh, for us is to be fruitful. And uh, to be those fruitful limbs, hallelujah, keep that just keep on bearing uh, fruit for him throughout all of our seasons. And uh, the Lord calls us to that. And, uh, well, you know, from uh, last week, from uh, Philippians chapter 1 and uh, verse uh, 11, the Apostle Paul prays. And, of course, the Apostle Paul was always praying and decreeing over the church. He was always declaring uh, what he believed, where his faith was at for, for the church. And he prays for the Philippi church at, uh, there. And he, and he prays that they'd be filled with the fruits of righteousness, you know, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, and last Sunday was such a thrill, uh, you know, to see the Lord at work again. Uh, just touching hearts and lives, uh, seeing those that he draws and uh, draws in here uh, to have an encounter with him. And, uh, you know, it's what we should all be about. I'm going to get an amen here, I'm sure. It's what we should all be about. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the the amazing testimony I have is a guy that uh, was in a local church and, um, and of course, um, over a period of time of being in that church, he, you know, it got to a point where there was a lot of people sitting next to him, and uh, and next thing you know, a whole row was taken up with all the uh, the people that had started coming to that church, and uh, eventually the leadership went up and said, "What are you doing?" And he said, "Well, this is really simple. I'm just inviting people to come." You know, it's a simple truth, isn't it? You know, really, really simple truth is just that, you know, we can invite people to come to church. You know, we can start the conversation. And I know, um, Kevin, you start the conversation quite a lot uh, out there on the street. Um, just anyone that doesn't know, um, uh, we go uh, back the first time I met um, uh, Kevin. And I think, I'm not sure if Dee was there at that time, but um, uh, I met Kevin. We were pastoring in country Queensland and Stanthorpe. And, and Kevin came through. And what Kevin does is he carries a cross with him wherever he goes. And, um, and of course, you know, that strikes up a bit of a conversation straight away, actually. And, uh, people come up and say, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> and, uh, you, 
that the place is well. Great. It's true. It's true. And and you know you 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 start you start um, uh, doing those kind of things. And next thing you know, you're talking about Jesus. Next thing you know, you're talking about um, how they could be saved. You know how they can come to know Jesus in a real and um, you know uh, powerful way. And that's all we're saying. It's not like you're joining a religion or you know joining a club or or any of those things. Uh, we become sons and daughters of the living God and get to know him as a heavenly father. And that was what it was all about. That was what was lost at the Garden of Eden. You know, he came walking in the garden in the cool of the evening for fellowship with his creation. And he came after the fall and he said, where are you? Lost fellowship. And of course, what we get when we come back to Christ is fellowship. We get that, you know, that, that connection with him again, where he's in our life. You say, where? Everywhere. Amen? Everywhere. You know, um, last week we looked at the teachings of Jesus to his disciples in John chapter 15. And, and of course, Jesus, as we know, was headed to the garden where he would be led away and three days later rise from the dead. And the, the context of that passage that, that um, I'm talking about is John chapter, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 15, 16 and 17. It's on that, on that pathway, in that conversation from the, from the Last Supper all the way to the Garden of Gethsemane where, where Jesus would be handed over to his accusers. And of course, as we know, scourged and beaten and whipped and, and broken and, uh, and of course, uh, finally crucified. And, uh, and of course, on the third day, he would rise again. And, uh, and of course, that's something that, that we understand and know. And of course, we've even heard a communion message this morning about that as well. And, uh, you know, uh, where, where we, we understand that, that, you know, it was for us that he did that. It was for us that he died. And of course, that we also might die to ourselves and, uh, and live for him. You know, um, Jesus, uh, in John chapter f- uh, 15 is described as uh, the true vine. And, uh, my, my father is the vine dresser. That's how he described himself. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. And, uh, meaning that there are false vines. Amen? There are false vines. If Jesus described himself as a true vine, well then the understanding is, is that there's false vines out there as well. You know, and you don't want to be a, a grape in a bunch that's on the wrong vine. That's what I would say. Vines that won't bear good fruit. And of course, the key is to know Jesus, who is the true vine, uh, and thereby recognize the false vines, just by the virtue of fact of being on the true vine. And, uh, you know, Jesus gave us some hints on recognizing the false ones. And this is it. And we'll see it. He says, you'll know them by their fruits. That's where the, that's what the false vine's going to bring forth. And Matthew uh, uh, chapter 8. I want us just to look at this just briefly as we continue on at this this, uh, discourse of Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15 to 18, he says this. This is Jesus again teaching. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their, what? Fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. 
A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Point number one. False prophets are wolves that dress as sheep. Okay. Well, going back a little while ago, I think we did a, a bit of a series on wolves, how to spot a wolf. Uh, but the, the point about it is, is that they're in disguise. They don't come with a business card. Hey, I'm a wolf. I'm working in this business. And uh, would you like to come with me? You know, they, they you know, or would like to join my business, join my team and be a representative for me. They don't do that. You see, they don't come with a calling card. They come dressed as sheep. Uh, they come in for, uh, nor do they come in for the one vulnerable sheep. Actually, they come in for all of the sheep, if they can, snatching and killing, decimating the flock. And in fact, if you see, often uh, you see, you know, I know movies and things where a wolf has gotten in among the sheep, and it's not that he's eaten one sheep and there's one missing. It's like all of them have been bitten, all of them have been, you know, marred in some way and and uh, and hit, snatching and killing, decimating the flock. And uh, Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief comes to rob, kill and destroy. He then said, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's God's calling, isn't it? That we might have life and have it more abundantly. And he wants us to live that way. What to do? Well, the Bible tells us resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's the, that's the action. It's resistance. Amen. Sometimes you have to wait for the time of the fruit bearing because number two, Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. The question to ask then is what do they produce? Well, they don't produce good fruit. So you just got to see what the production is, you see. And you have to wait for the time of fruit bearing. The season for fruit bearing will eventually come. Whether it's good fruit or bad fruit, sooner or later, a bad tree is going to produce bad fruit. That's what Jesus was saying. So they will have thorns and thistles, not fruit of a born-again spirit. And eventually the bad tree gets thrown into the fire, just as eventually wolves get discovered. You'll know them by their fruit, you know. And we saw last week that from for, for those that endure the Lord's tender prunings, this is what we were looking at last week, the Lord's tender prunings in our life, more fruitfulness is God the Father's purpose in our lives. If we've borne fruit before, he wants to come in with the pruning shears and do some work so that there can be more fruit. His prunings might be through chastisement. We live in a society where no one wants to be corrected you know no one wants to be told that what they're doing is not right you know and um i tell you i've i've learned to love the corrections of the lord <laughs> i tell you i've learned to love those moments where he's gotten into my life and, and 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 put his put his tender loving finger on something and said that's not right that's been good for me how about you Oh, I can't think of those moments. Oh, you know, well, we want to sort of say, Lord, I want your chastisement. Lord, I want your correction in my life because I know that I'm not where I need to be. But I'm on my way and I'm willing and I'm ready to go. Take me, Lord. Take me through those times of chastisement. If he chastises us, it's because we are his children. 
Hebrews 12 and verse 7 to 8, it says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. I tell you, I grew up a fairly good kid. But I remember my wife, uh, my wife, my mother, describing me uh, to other, to other, you know, family friends and that. And I, uh, from my mother's point of view, I was not a good kid. But the reason I could have been, the reason I wasn't a worse kid is because of the strap that was behind the door, you know. The strap. And, of course, every now and then the strap would come out because I'd played up or done something wrong. And I knew how to run, you know. And I think that's really where they said that I was a bit of a naughty kid because I, I wouldn't take my punishment there and then. I'd try and d- prolong it by running around the backyard, getting away from whoever it was that was chasing me around the backyard. And... Um, but that strap, I had it a few times, and every time, if, if someone came down the hallway and knocked that door and I could hear the strap going, I'd get a bit of a shudder, because that thing really had me concerned, you know, that, that strap. But, you know, in this day and age, <laughs> in this day and age um, it, you know, we, we talk about uh, children who have been brought up without any of that kind of discipline, you know, where there was something to avoid. And, and pain. It was more, you know, the timeout corner and all those kind of things. And and I know that our children grew up without being chastised. Um, I think I can remember uh, uh, giving our daughter a smack once, and uh, I, I'm to this day say that it hurt me more than it hurt her, you know. And just uh, because they were good kids, Johnson. You never hear a peep out of Johnson. He's just just grew up a good kid and um, and continues to be a great young man. But um, I guess what I'm saying here is is this word chastisement doesn't necessarily mean a smack or a beating down. But look what it says. The word chastisement in the Greek, uh, paideia, it means to discipline. It means training and education of children, um, instruction and correction. It doesn't necessarily mean a punishment. You know, so the Lord's chastisement in our lives is about correction. You know, where he comes in and he speaks and he shows us something that's not right. And I believe that we, as God's people, as God's children, sons and daughters, we should be signed up and ready for chastisement from the Lord, ready for his correction, ready for his training in our lives. And that's if we want to be fruitful, because that's what he's got for us. It's fruitfulness and more fruitfulness. And he does come in and prune the vine. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 10, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9 to 10, it says, Furthermore, we have human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, chased us around the backyard as well, and, and as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may, may be partakers of holiness. And, uh, and that's it. His chastisements are those corrections that keep us in holiness. Holiness meaning separated to him, you know, so that we might keep walking with him. But, you know, we must see that the Lord's pruning in our lives are for the purpose of more fruitfulness. Where, you know, where, where, where we're going along thinking everything's okay and, uh, and, and of course, the, the areas where we might 
think we need a bit of correction, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll sort of, you know, put that on the back burner, don't bring it up, but the Lord will bring it to the front burner. The Lord will bring it to your attention early. Look what it says in the next verse. It says, Hebrews 12, 11. It says, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Note that, that peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You know, last week we saw how in times of transition, it can feel like we're being pruned. You know, it can feel like what we what we want is being taken away from us. Who's had that feeling as a Christian? A few hands going up, you know. Uh, coming through two years of Bible college study, uh, Rose and I, uh, sweet days um, back in the late 80s and uh, early 90s, and two years of Bible college study, uh, the Lord showed us to sell a business. We had a business, and, and, and that business had been supplying our need, and we thought quite, quite wonderfully uh, supplying our need while Rose and I had been to Bible college. And uh, the Lord... At the end of that two years of Bible God showed us to sell that business and enabled us to, uh, the sale of the business enabled us to buy a block of land. And um, we bought a block of land in the township of York. Who's been to York? few hands, okay. A few hands know where York is. It's about 100 k's east of uh, Perth. And, and we were attracted to York, weren't we? We had a classic car. And they, they do like a classic car show there every year. And we had a classic car and we drive up through those beautiful hills, uh, you know, at the back of uh, Perth to get to, to um, uh, York. And it was just lovely. And you go the right time of the year and you fall in love with the place. And we did. And uh, there we were, uh, attracted to York, the rural life. And um, how many of you know that you can choose your own future? Just stop and think about that. You can choose your own future. You can. And you can also do something else. It's called choosing God's future. And uh, that's something you have to wait on God for. You know, just um, bring it up actually. i show you that little block of land. This is York and this is the view, remember, Rosemary? Mount Brown over in the corner there and I think it was one of those blocks that we bought down there in the forefront there and at the same time that we bought that block, um, the church department that I'd been doing some part-time work for said, um, we would like you to come on staff. Now, this is the church leadership. And we thought, well, they know what they're talking about. <laughs> well, the church leadership always know what they're talking about, don't they? <laughs> Please. <laughs> and, um, and, of course, I'd been doing some work for them. And, of course, they said, well, you know, We'd like you, now that you've finished a couple of years of Bible college, we'd like you to come on staff. They were offering us full-time work. So here we are. It seemed like everything was coming together. At that stage in our marriage, you know, we've now got a block. We've got a full-time job. We've done a couple of years of Bible college. Everything was looking sweet. How many know what I'm talking about? It all looked good, you know, as far as the eye could see. And, uh, you know, working there in the church and... Of course, uh, wasn't necessarily ministry, but, you know, uh, I could have walked in um, that ministry manager's office and said, when do I start? You know, it was like that. It was handed to me. And despite the fact that it would have been 
all the ingredients to a happy life. One that we would choose, commuting to Perth every day in a classic car that we loved, you know, on those undulating country corners and, and, and uh, a beautiful uh, uh, countryside. How many of you know the Lord had another plan? And of course, the problem was getting it to me. <laughs> that was the problem, you know, because sometimes, let's face it, we can be a bit thick. <laughs> or it's not thick, but we just think we know where we should be going. And what God calls us to is a little bit of surrender. Just a little bit of surrender that says, you know, not your will be done, but my will be done, says the Lord. And he's looking for that. You know, the Lord had another plan and it didn't include building a house in York. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. It didn't, it didn't include working full time at that church, which would have just been plum, a plum job where we studied at that Bible college and then, you know, went on staff in the same church. And Church, understand that God's will for your life is your best life. I'll say that again. God's will for your life is your best life. And if you're not walking in God's will for your life, you're not walking in his best will for your life. Amen. And we may need to receive the pruning of the Lord which is his chastisement, his correction, you know, to get us back on track. So we repented and, of course, we prayed. And he showed us to politely decline the full-time job. How do you decline a dream job? Good question. How do you decline a dream job? By faith. Just by faith. Knowing that he's got something better. We didn't know what it was and certainly, you know, had a, 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 you know, a bit of an idea. But then he showed me to enrol in the third year of the Bible college program. So when did the third year? It was a, uh, what they called the degree program. And it was, it was during that third year that the Lord began to align us with his perfect will for our lives, which for that season, and as we've talked, uh, uh, you know, earlier this morning, um, was a country church in Stanthorpe, which he had already shown us, but we just didn't, you know, the Lord can show you some things sometimes and you forget them. But he'd already shown us that. He'd already shown us what was to come. The Bible says in this very passage that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and show you things to come. That's so that we can walk in his ways. That's so we can walk on the pathway that he wants for our lives. You know, we need to be more prayerful, church. We need to be a people that decide that I'm going to get it from God and nowhere else. And get his will. Abiding in him. Remaining in him is all about choosing his will for our lives. Look what it says. John 15 and verse 5, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, actually, we proved that you could do some things. You know, you could buy a block in York. We ended up selling it. Didn't make a profit on it. We ended up selling it because we couldn't afford to keep it as we pioneered churches in Queensland. So we, uh, you know, had to, had to put it on the market and sell it off. But I tell you, it didn't matter because we were excited about being in the will of God. It didn't matter to us. Remaining in him means that we get on with his program not our own. And if you can 
you know, if you think you can achieve some things your way, okay. (laughs) But just understand, Jesus said that without me, you can do nothing. It won't be fruit that he wants. It won't be fruit that he counts. Amen. John 15 and verse 6 says, If anyone does not remain in me, he is like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and burned. You know, in this short passage of scripture, Jesus again reflects on what happens to the branch that is taken away. We saw it in the earlier part of John chapter 15. Eventually it's thrown into the fire. And of course this speaks of, you know, the departure from belief in Jesus. It speaks of falling away where there is no repentance available. Okay, Hebrews 6, 4, you can see it there. John chapter 15 and verse 7, it says there, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. You know, the end of the story was that we uh, turned down the job, uh, the full-time job, said no to that, and uh, and kept... Uh, living where we were living, uh, I went out and got a taxi driver's licence and uh, that taxi driver's licence was uh, one that allowed me to work weekends only. So in my third year of Bible college, I was able to be in Bible college and study in the afternoon for a whole year, which was really fantastic. And of course, I worked weekend nights. Now, I have stories about being a taxi driver working weekend nights that could probably keep us going until Christmas okay what that was like but that endured that endured that so that we could get to the point of um of uh, uh being in god's will and and uh following through on that on that final year of bible college study and you know right at the very end the lord brought us into exact alignment with where he wanted us to go and uh, out there into country queensland and you know we need to recognize that remaining in jesus abiding in him brings glory to God. Why? Because we live a Christian life that is with his presence. You see, we we can't bear fruit without him. And that's so important to understand. It's just such a simple truth. We can't bear fruit without him. We have to bear fruit with him. That's where it's going to happen. We have to make the connection. We have to have that light bulb moment right here, you know, that being in him, abiding in him, supported by having his words in us. This is the lifestyle of people, you know, a people of his word, you know, and this takes us past just being knowledgeable in the scriptures. It's an explanation by Jesus that his word in us is powerful. It's powerful in prayer. Jesus says, you'll ask what you will and it will be done for you. And I love that part. I'll just read that again. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. You know, that that answered prayer part is again a, a, a recognition that God's at work in your life. So, you know, we, we, um, we, we see other, so many other verses where as we start to receive his word, what happens is faith comes. You know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So very powerful. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 to 15 tells us this. It says, I have written these things uh, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything 
according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we already possess what we have asked of him. I like that scripture. Because it tells me a whole lot of things. It tells me that, that, you know, uh, uh, that if I'll abide in him, this is the confidence that we have before him. This is what the confidence that we have in him. In, you know, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we already possess what we have asked of him. You know, abiding in him, you know, having his word abide in us, is the way to answer prayer. Amen? Having his word abide in us. You know, and sometimes, um, you know, the, 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 the word that the Lord wants us to, you know, to act on, the word that the Lord wants us to pray out, is the word that he impresses upon our heart. You know, that's the sword of the Lord. That's the sword that he wants us swinging. That's the thing that he wants us out there using. And uh, in, in the difficulties and circumstances of life, look for the word of God that he's you know, wanting you to have in your heart because that's where faith is going to spring up. Now, we said this um, uh, last week, and I'm going to say it again you know, as we close this morning and again make an invitation for anyone who'd like to come down and receive prayer this morning. But I'm going to say this. It's, it's a great time of the year you know, as this one closes down, to start to offer the Lord your 2023. Your 2023. This is a great time for that. And, you know, and to surrender afresh. We've talked a little bit today about surrender, about giving your heart afresh to God. You say, how many times do I have to give my life to Jesus? All the time. Uh, We call that fresh times of consecration, where we just say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will. I've been doing this for a while now, and I know, I know it's not your will. I started off, you know, making an invitation. I'm going to make an invitation again today. If you are stuck, if you are, you know, uh, out there, not where God wants you to be, if you are, um, you know, walking in a way you know that's not pleasing to God, God wants to, God wants to set, you, set you right from that. God wants to set you free from that. And he can do it, he can do it in a moment here and down the front. Um, as we close today, down here at the altar. You know, it's a great time to start to concentrate. I think it was October 1988. There we were. Uh, Rosemary and I were uh, uh, married at that point, and she'd already decided that she was going to Bible college, and I was a little bit miffed, actually, that she'd decided that she was going to Bible college before me. But uh, she said she heard from God, and that if, you know, if she heard, she said, you'll hear as well. And, uh, and so I went, okay. So there I am in church on a Sunday morning, this great church, and, and um, praying away and singing and worshipping and all the things that uh, usually go on in a great church. And, and, uh, and I, I, I'm just minding my own business, but just worshipping the Lord. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to my heart so very, very clearly, October 88. So we just started in October now. So that's what I say, this is a good time of the year. You know, God starts to set some things in place for the coming year. And he spoke into my heart and he said, he said, go to Bible college. And he said this, he said, there'll be an, an anointing for you. And uh, it was that that caught my attention. It was that, you know, that then propelled me over into, you know, going into Bible college and just watching what the Lord did to make that um, pathway available to us. It was exciting. 
And that anointing, you know, that he spoke of, there'll be an anointing for you. I didn't know what the anointing was at that point. You know, someone said, you know, I heard a (laughs) good preacher say, I don't quite know what the anointing is, but I know when it ain't. (laughs) So, um, but you know, the thing, the thing to get a hold of this morning, and I encourage you to uh, do the same, that what he calls you to, he'll empower you to. All right? You know, where he leads, he feeds. Where he guides, he provides. You know, and if we'll just wait on him for that leading, that guiding, you know, what it is that he wants us to step into, watch out. He'll provide for it as well. You know, that supernatural, some of the best definition I ever heard of uh, the anointing is it's a supernatural strengthening and an empowerment from God. In other words, it enables you to do what you wouldn't normally be able to do. We were able to go through Bible college and at the end of it, you know, just again, just connect with our calling. And, uh, you know, that's that ability that God gives is to connect you with where he wants you going. Amen. He's a good God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I I believe it's the worship team that's going to come now. And I want to invite you this morning. If you heard some things today and uh, you're still with us and uh, and you'd like you'd like to maybe just try Jesus. Uh, You know, I'm a great believer in just people who 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 are, are there going, I'll give it a go. I'll see if there's anything in it. I love that because what happens is God shows up. Isn't it right? I'll give him a go. That's all I did, you know, when I got saved, was I just said, you know, uh, they had a thing where they, they baptised you and asked you to receive Jesus while you are in the baptism tank. I thought the worst thing that could happen to me is I'll just get wet. You know, I thought I'll give this a go. And sure enough, I, I went down the, uh, the front of that church and, and got out of that baptism tank thinking that they'd put something in the water because I felt change, I felt something different on the inside of me. And I just want to encourage you this morning, you know, if you're here this morning, you haven't prayed what we call the prayer of salvation. There's a prayer that you can pray that brings you into relationship with God. There's a prayer that you can pray that can make a difference in your life forever. And uh, I want to encourage you to come on and try it. Come down and give Jesus an opportunity to reveal himself to you in a way that's most amazing. And... um, if that's you this morning, as we sing this last song, I encourage you to come on down the front. If you're, if you're here this morning and, and uh, you say, you know, I, I've got areas of bondage and areas where, where I know that I'm held up and, and things I need to get free of, this is an opportunity again to come down for that as well. So I encourage you to step up and, um, and come on down just as we close and as we finish this song. So, um, But why don't we all stand? I'm just going to pray with you and, and ask the Lord a blessing on... on um, this word today. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God. Our hearts, Lord God, are open to you right now, Lord God, as you have, as you have, Father, impressed upon us with your word, Lord, as you've um, uh, 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 deposited your word in our hearts, Lord God. We want to be a people that not only hear the word, but do the word, Lord, today. Lord, we want to be a people, Father, that put your word into practice. And Father, have a practical application of it, Lord. So, so Lord, where our hearts are turned to you at this time. Your word says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And Lord, we ask that, that in that consecration, Lord, in that just coming a little closer, Father, that Lord God, you would again speak. At this time of this year, Lord God, maybe in regard to 2023, maybe in regard to areas in our life where we need to make adjustment. But Father, we know that you're a loving God and that you will speak, Father. 
and we will guide, you will direct. And Lord, we lift up this congregation now before you, Lord God, and ask, Lord, that you move on hearts and lives and bring the change that you so desire, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.